Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Coach's Corner. I'm Coach Andrew Porretz from Ingenuity Coaching. I help people to discover and fulfill their passions and greatness. My mission, to inspire and challenge you to dream big dreams, and with my coaching, help you to manifest those dreams into reality. You can visit my website at myfuturecoach.com and follow me on Twitter at Coach Andrew. If you're listening live tonight and you have a question, the phone number here is 646-929-2893. Again, that's 646-929-2893. You'll be able to listen to the show on the phone, and if you press the number one, I'll know you have a question. We also have a live chat room right on the show page where you can feel free to join in. My guest tonight, Warren Zena, has been on my show before, a long time ago, and I'm really happy to have him back. Warren is a digital marketing professional and business consultant with over 20 years of experience working with major corporations and small businesses, helping them to market their products and services via the Internet and mobile channel and working with senior executives and business owners to help them be more effective in managing people and dealing with complex organizational dynamics. Warren has worked with hundreds of executives in the areas of sales training, recruiting, communications, team building, and building a distinct company culture. Warren currently works as a managing director of digital mobile practice at WWDNS in New York City. You can learn more, to, more about him at www.warrenzena.com and contact him directly at warrenzena at gmail.com or follow him on Twitter at Warren Zena. Warren Zena, are you with me? Hey, Andrew, how are you? Very nice introduction. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I wrote it myself uh, from completely off the cuff. Really impressive. Yeah, amazing. I, you would amazing. never believe it. How'd you pull that off? Well, thanks for having me on again. appreciate it. Oh, it's, it's great to have you. So it's been, uh, I think I had you on in uh, 2009. Something like that. That's right. I recall. Yeah. So, uh, so thanks for having me back again. My pleasure. So tonight we're going to talk um, uh, more about some of the areas around things like hiring. So I want to, if you're, you first of all, give us a little bit, not so much uh, the background I just announced, but the, what brought you into that arena? Well, I, it was a long time ago. I got involved in a lot of, uh, I guess you could call it like uh, production and uh, uh, executive coaching help. Uh, it was a long time ago. It was going back around like 1996 started on my own business after doing some stints in the digital marketing business. And what we found a lot working with executives that the thing that bothered them most, the thing that challenged them most was hiring the right people. It, it's a huge issue with companies, big and small. I mean, you're bringing new people into your organization, and the thing we heard over and over again was we're spending a lot of money looking for people. We seem to be off the mark. We're not identifying the right people. Something's wrong with our process. People that we hire don't work out. We can't seem to find the right people, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, a lot of money is wasted. A lot of time is wasted, uh, particularly when you hire the wrong person, right? Mm. It's a big, big investment you make in people. It costs, you know, $25,000 or so just to get someone onboarded and trained and, you know, uh, inculcated into your organization. And if it doesn't work out, you know, you miss three to six months' worth of productivity. You have to replace the person. And so as a result, as you know, you know, the recruitment industry has become a huge, huge industry, right? There's more sure. information on the Internet right now about hiring people and recruiting people than you've ever seen before. So uh, 
you know, given what I've been reading lately and noticing lately in the marketplace, that it would be an interesting place to discuss this topic because I'm sure there are people whom will ultimately listen to this show whom are experiencing this problem right now. Mm-hmm. Maybe they have positions open or they're struggling with looking for the right people. They're spending scads of money on recruiters who want retainers, or they're giving over a percentage of someone's salary in exchange for finding the right person. They're mm-hmm. making investments. They may have people whose job it is to sift through resumes. They're conducting interviews. And in many cases, a lot of people just make it up as they go along. They don't really follow any practices or develop any skills and they keep doing the same things over and over again. So where do you, where do you come in? Well, one of the things that I was helping was actually a while back with one of my clients was I interviewed everybody that came into the organization. You know, sometimes having an outside person who's not part of the company is helpful because you know when you're immersed in a culture, it's hard to be able to see outside of it, right? Sure. It's almost like Einstein made a great statement. Uh, one of his brilliant statements was, you know, a, a, a problem cannot be solved by the consciousness that created it. I'll mm. repeat that. A problem cannot be solved by the consciousness that created it. You know, he understood that, you know, systems require interruption, you know, and when you have a closed loop of information, people tend to use the same information to solve the problem that they caused. So you need someone from the outside. So that's where consultants come in, right? This you look at uh, movies like, um, you know, uh, what's the what's the funny movie uh, the the consultants Bob and Bob. I'm sorry, I'm losing my mind here. Um, office space, right? So yeah, they get the two Bobs, right? I mean, yeah, there's a big joke about consultants. And all they do is fire people, but the reality is there's a real value to this outside influence because someone who's not within your culture can come in and have a much more objective assessment of your organization than you do, particularly if you're the owner. I mean, if you're an owner of a company, you're so immersed in your own culture, you probably can't even see it. So I was helping a lot with this. And then also taking a look at the way the hiring practices were and developing new systems and coming up with a couple of things. And and this all goes to a couple of important points I want to make on this, this conversation. One is a lot of things have changed, right? One thing that's changed is the way in which people find people, right? I mean, look, we, it's all become kind of part of the ether now, but all recruiting is done virtually online, right? So very few is done traditionally like it used to be. You know, remember the days you used to mail a resume to somebody, right? Remember this? Mm, sure. That came in an envelope, you know, and be, someone, someone would have a pile of envelopes on their desk and they'd look mm-hmm. through them. I mean, this is over, you know, it's all done online. As a matter of fact, What's happening now is this, this came out today statistic that people are now able to apply for jobs online through their um, mobile applications. So Career Builder and another company called Proven have shown since January like three million downloads of their online or their mobile app, which enables people to apply to a job from a mobile phone. So this says a lot about where the market's going. So now if you've got people that are able to quickly apply for a job on a mobile phone. It only makes it harder and harder and harder for the recruiting entity on the end of the line to determine the right person. I mean, there's an mm-hmm. influx of information coming in from people that are just walking along the street. They take their thumb and they click on a button that they think the job might be good for them, and it pushes their resume out. Right. So what's happening is because job seekers are putting less and less thought into seeking for a job, it's harder and harder to separate out the good candidates from the bad ones. So one thing that's that's happening is that. And the second part is... A big aspect of what's going on in the world today, particularly in the U.S., is there are more startups and entrepreneurial ventures going on now than there have been in the last 10 years. 
and the whole startup and entrepreneurial industry is huge. Mm-hmm. And the dynamics for hiring people in startups is completely different than hiring people for big corporations. Right. So you can't apply the same principles. So there's all this controversy going on now about what the right way to hire is because, you know, a corporation that has scads of dollars and a lot of staff and they have a long-term view on their on their uh, products and their services, if they can afford to hire in a different way than a company that only has a certain amount of dollars left in their coffers and they need to produce results in the next six months. So imagine you're someone who's a startup, right, and you want to hire people. And um, the investors gave you X amount of dollars for the next 18 months, and you have to build a team. And you've already got all the people on the team that you know, but you need to fill the team with people. You can't be that discerning to hire because you can't wait. You can't take the time it takes to find somebody. So how do you, how do you reconcile that, right? These are very difficult things to do. And what's happening as a result is you know, it's becoming harder and harder for companies to find the right people. So what are some ways that they do that? Or what, would, what are some strategies that you would bring into the table? Okay, well, one thing important is, and I think this is a key thing, which is for big and small companies, is not really being clear what it is that you want to hire for. You know, you see these ads in the in the newspapers, or I'm sorry, you listen to me, in the uh, online job boards that have a job description, and as you start to get into the into the system more and do more interviews with the company, and that just happened to me on the other end, you find that the job description as written is not consistent with what it is they're telling you that you're going to do. And in many cases, the people hiring are like, well, we're not really sure. I mean, we kind of need someone to do this, and they may do some of that, and we also might need you to do this. And so what ends up happening is if you're not clear as an organization as to the kind of person you're looking for or the specific roles, then it's going to be obviously much, much harder for you to identify the person that you need to hire. Okay? Mm-hmm. Now, someone might be saying to themselves while they're listening to this, well, what about a company that really doesn't know? I mean, it's not always so simple that, you know, you need a programmer, let's say, right? Someone who's a very functional job. You know, you need someone who, you know, can program in, you know, C++ and can build uh, mobile applications and, you know, build HTML5 websites. You know, it's a very specific site type of, um, you know, development skill. So, you know, you find somebody who has those skills and you look at their work and you plug them in and you hope that they have the kind of personality that fits in with your culture and you make them Mm -hmm. work there. But what if it's more like, you know, a a service-oriented job? or an interactive service job, where it's someone who's in an account management role, or someone who's in a support role, or someone who's more of a strategic role. Many, many times the company doesn't even really know exactly how that person's gonna fit in, and a lot of times what they do is they bring people into companies and they kinda hope and see where they'll fit. And sometimes they're successful, right? They find the right person and that person kinda navigates towards their skill sets and they make a place for them there. But many times it doesn't work that way. So the first thing I would say is, Make a very, very clear definition of what exactly it is you're looking for. What is this person's job going to be? What is their role? What function are they going to provide? What's their day-to-day responsibilities? If you can't describe that to them very clearly when you're hiring them, then you need to go back and do some work on it because it's going to be very difficult for the person to fit into the company if you don't know exactly what it is they're going to do. Okay. And again, I'll, I'll make that caveat here, okay? If sure. it's a situation where you don't know, well, then you've got to make that clear, too. You know, you've got to let the person know that, you know, we're, 
we have a lot of needs here, and uh, quite frankly, we need somebody who's flexible enough to figure out ways to help us navigate and find the right fit. That's clearer than trying to make something up and not being clear, right? Right. Because a certain kind of person is going to be better for that type of role than someone who's not flexible. Someone who, for example, needs a lot of direction, someone who needs a lot of instruction, someone who's more of a responsive employee who deals with only tasks you give them. If you bring somebody into a job role that's not clear, they're not going to know what to do and they're going to fail. So that's one thing. Okay. So the second thing is, um, where is it that you get your references from? You know, resumes, I think, frankly, are, I think they should be thrown out. All right. And probably many of them are. Yes. And they should be. Because if you're looking for a position to fill and you get piles of resumes, look, let's all say this with all bluntness. I mean, we've all embellished on our resumes before. We've all made little, you know, changes to them. We all make little tweaks to them and do things to them. Some people I know have made up complete sections of their resume. It's very difficult. So what happens is, let's say someone sends in a resume that's very nicely written and it looks good and you bring them in and then, you know, you find out they're not a fit. You know, that resume was not a clear representation of that person, so you wasted a lot of time. So clearly, and I think everyone probably knows this, I'm not saying anything too revolutionary here, but you've got to find people through your own network. Okay, Getting people into your organization through people at your organization is the best bet. If you can incentivize your own people to bring in people that they know and that they trust, mm-hmm. you have a greater chance of that person fitting into your culture because someone working for your company has a better sense of you know what it is that to work there and be – you know, uh, birds of a feather flock together, right? So if somebody in my company has a certain type of personality, it's likely that people they know will have a similar one and that there's a greater chance of that person fitting in. Plus, a personal reference from somebody you work with is much more reliable than a resume that comes in through some electronic job board. So what's a, what's a way that they you might run some incentivization? Well, there's a lot, a lot of things you can do, and a lot of things are already done. I mean, it, it, it's not actually a new practice. It's being done for a while. I don't know if it's being done as successfully as it should be. Mm-hmm. But, you know, one that's really important is um, instead of just saying to everybody, which is done a lot, by the way, and I don't think it's a bad thing to incentivize people financially. Look, if we find somebody and you place them, we'll give you $5,000 or something. I've seen right. this before. And, you know, that sometimes motivates people, but sometimes it doesn't. I think even more importantly is, look, when you're hiring people to work at the company, the person that you're going to hire is someone that these people are going to have to put up with and work with. You know, This is like an additional body and personality that's going to be infused into the organization. So what I would be doing is I'd be saying to people, look, you know, we need to fill this position. You know, what kind of person do you want to be in this seat, someone you're going to be working with? Do you want me to just kind of randomly find somebody from the street? Or can we work together to find people that you know to fill this position so we can create a culture here of people that we know and we want to work with, you know? Where you have to kind of make it their problem. You have to make it their solution, something that they want to solve because, look, it's going to affect them. There's nothing worse, and I've had this happen before. A lot of people listening to this probably will know. You know, you're working for a company, and they hire somebody that you never met before. You end up stuck with somebody you don't like. You don't get along. You know, you're, someone's forced on you. Someone you have to interact with all the time. I'd much rather be someone that I know. So there's an incentive there. You know, this idea of like growing an organization of like-minded people, you can get people motivated that way. Uh, plus, I think the conversations need to take place more impactfully. You know, you can have meetings where they say, look, we're looking for the following um, positions filled. How many people in this room right now might know somebody who could fit this position? Could you please identify that person and reach out to them, right? I mean, if you do these little things that just ask people to make a commitment and take an action, then they're more likely to do it than if you do it in a meeting and walk away. 
player just needs to be a little bit more focused on this as a real true mechanism inside the organization. A lot of times it's not done. Um, you know, I think LinkedIn is a great tool. Uh, I use it a lot. I think that uh, it's probably the most effective tool in terms of at least trying to create some connections and you can uh, do some seeding there. I think it's a wonderful way to use things. I don't think people use LinkedIn properly a lot of times. Uh, I don't think that from a response-driven thing, as a person looking for a job, it's the greatest thing in the world all the time because then you become a resume dumper. But if you're looking for people, it's one of many tools that you could use. Well, what are some of the ways you might effectively use LinkedIn? Well, first of all, obviously, you need to know see who are the people that you're connected to, right? So if there are people in your organization, one thing that the company I worked with prior to this was actually really good at this. They would ask us all to share our LinkedIn profiles with each other so we can be connected to each other's uh, networks. So it enables like a recruiter to be able to see like, okay, if the people in my organization, here's the people that they're connected to. So I could say to someone, hey, Maggie, you know, I see you're connected to Bob Smith. And Bob Smith looks like a good fit for this organization. Could you please reach out to Bob Smith, right? So that person might not have noticed that, but by me being able to have that visibility into that person's network, it makes it a little easier for me to be able to determine people who might be within the proximity of someone that I know in the organization who maybe can reach out to. So it's a good tool. I, I've gotten jobs personally through LinkedIn by finding people that I know in my community that are connected to people that I want to work for, and that's the best referral. I mean, look, that's the whole social media paradigm is, you know, people who like each other and trust each other are the best references of information. That's why people share things similarly with people, you know? Sure. Um, another good thing to do is, uh, you know, reach back to people's prior uh, employers, right? So if somebody was working at a company and they had a successful experience there and they have a good reputation there, you know, that place may also be another source, you know, look, you know, if you know people, um, Anywhere that that person in your organization has made an impact or a positive impact, those are communities where those people may be able to find people whom well, they could source people for you. So are there any uh, downsides to, to finding people you know? Of course. I mean, I, I, it's a great question, and, and uh, certainly you don't want your Uncle Steve sitting next to you, you know, uh, or your, you know, maybe your ex-boyfriend or something. You know, that mm-hmm. wouldn't be good either. So I think, yeah, obviously you, know, you want to make sure that you maintain those those uh, boundaries, but, you know, it happens, you know, especially in cities like New York where there's so many people that know each other. It, it's not uncommon for you to bump up against people that you know, and, and that can also create a different type of scenario. So those things are important, too. But if you're hiring someone and it, you notice that those people have a personal relationship, that absolutely needs to be called out. If I was the, the manager, I'd say, listen, I know you guys are friends. I think that's great. But, you know, is there going to be any issue here? And, you know, how could we, you know, make sure we mitigate against that? I think that's an important point, especially in small companies where people work on top of each other. Now, do you, do you recommend doing things like looking at people's social media? Yeah, to a degree, yes. I, I'd say, I mean, I'm a little bit more lax than maybe other people are, only because, you know, I, I think that, you know, look, it's a great question because, I mean, older people probably haven't been on social media as long or in the same means that younger people have. I look at, for example, I have an 18-year-old, and I look sometimes at his online uh, posts and, you know, stuff that I think he needs to be thinking a little bit more about his future, you know, when he puts this stuff up there. But, yeah, but be surprised. I mean, there's some people who are, you know, older, too, who, are, you know, don't really sometimes think about this stuff. So I think that, yeah, it's probably not a bad uh part of the puzzle, mm-hmm. but there's more than just Facebook. You know, there's also LinkedIn, there's other yeah. networks, and they tell the whole story. So I think, like, you know, 
it's important to make a look, take a look at all these things, and it does formulate some sense of it. I mean, it, clearly, if you see something really egregious and really strange, it probably speaks volumes about somebody. But well, it's uh, not just uh, the egregious things. Like, for example, I can go on Facebook and look at people I don't know, and one of the things will usually tell me is, who do we have in common? And sometimes it's, I find these people, I have no idea who we are, but we have a lot of people in common. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's all kinds of possible connections that you might notice, and you would even even for looking for somebody you know, like how do they fit in? Well, look at the who are the friends they keep. Yeah, that's a good point. It's a very, very, very good point. And uh, as I said, you know, birds of a feather flock together. Uh, we do this a lot, actually. There's been people who've worked with us in the past that we really like, and so and we try to find out what their communities they're in, and who they speak to, and who they connect with, and it's all good. Social media is is an amazing tool. Uh, when when used properly to, to help source people, but I think yeah, the, some of the things I was getting at earlier I think are, are more important. I think that goes yeah. to you know what the tactics are. So so there's two different ways to look at this. You know, one is the uh, slow to hire, quick to fire philosophy, right? Which is more of the prevailing corporate you know wisdom that floating around now. Take your time, pick the person properly. You know, it's almost like a marriage, right? I mean, you know, you're not just going to rush into it. You know, that wouldn't be the wisest thing in the world. I think uh, a lot of us have seen the, the the bad outcomes there. So, sure, like any long-term relationship, right? You wanna you wanna be methodical and, and pick the right person and mm-hmm. you know make sure it's right. But then, if they don't work out, you want to get rid of them quickly because, again, you know, having someone in your organization that is not effective can have a really negative impact on your organization. So, you want to get rid of people quickly. But the um, opposite of that would be, for example, my my comment earlier is someone who is running a entrepreneurial organization, mm-hmm. and they only have eighteen months worth of investment money to play with. They can't afford to be slow to hire. You know, they don't have the luxury of being so discerning because they need somebody to fulfill this position now. Which brings me to another issue, which is when to start looking. So what ends up happening is the dynamics of an organization tend to be, and this is what happens all the time, is that people don't look for people until they need them. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they're acting out of desperation. When you're acting out of desperation, you don't make the best choices. So if I'm a manager of an organization, I'm running a department, and all of a sudden we get a new account, and we need two new account people that we don't have, and that account is going to close in two weeks. That gives me two weeks to try and find somebody to fill a very important position, which is managing a major account. So now the hiring managers are running around like a lunatic looking for somebody to fit. And because you want that person to fit the organization, because you so need that person, you don't look at that person as objectively as you would have. And you overlook things that might be glaringly, obviously bad. And you bring them on because... You want the job filled. This happens a lot. So the greater point I'm making here is always be looking. Always be interviewing people. Always have a bench. Never wait until you need somebody because the reality is that that's the worst time to be looking for a new hire. So recruiting and interviewing needs to be embedded in the culture and the company practice at all times. So you should always be having you know, job listings open on your website, for example, so that you're attracting people to write you in and say they're interested in working there. You're always looking for people because you'd rather have a bench
bench of four or five people that you've met before that you like ready for the time that you need somebody. I've seen this happen all the time. This is actually one of the biggest issues that goes on, particularly in the um, uh, advertising industry. Mm -hmm. Because the dynamics of that industry are set up such that you really don't build your team until you get a new account. So you get a new account and then you've got all this money and you've got all these needs to be fulfilled and these services that need to be fulfilled. So now you have to hire a team. Mm. And you got the agency running around like lunatics trying to find people to fill. Mm. Invariably, they make bad mistakes. Right. The bench, I really like that concept. Yeah, you've got to have a bench. And, you know, the good companies do. Mm. Now, another thing, too, look, if you're a really excellent company, right, and uh, people want to work for you, like, for example, like a Google, right, or a Facebook, I mean, they have a great bench because there's people that are dying to get in to work there. But that's not the case with all companies. So another thing that companies can do is they can promote a good culture, and they could market that good culture so that they make their company more attractive to people so that there's more people that are looking to work there as opposed to you having to find people. I worked for this one company for a while back in 2004 that won uh, one of the top ten places to work in New Jersey. I know that might be saying like one of the best places to eat Detroit, but whatever. <laughs> so, so, so the point I'm making is that it was it was still a very attractive thing, and there's there's a lot of energy that they put behind the culture of their organization as being a great place to work, and they did a really good job of it, and it made it really attractive for people. And as a result, they had a lot of people constantly wanting to work there, and they had a really good culture, and they were in a position where they were able to be very, very discerning. Because there were so many people that wanted to work there and were eager to work there that they could pick and choose the kind of people that they wanted. And as a result, this happened to be a company that had an excellent culture of great people all the time. Very important, I think, to build that culture and that desire to want to be part of your organization. Mm. You know, uh, you know, I know you're, you're focusing on the uh, the uh, the hiring end, but from from the kinds of things that you know, what might you tell people on the other side that they can learn from you? Okay, well, that's a whole other discipline. I mean, if you're looking for a job, there's a lot of reasons why people look for jobs, right? Some people are looking for a job because they're in a good position and they're looking to just simply develop their career and they want to move on to something you know, bigger or they're on to the next thing. And they have good skill sets, and they don't have a desperate you know, need for money. So these are people who are in a position to kind of cherry-pick and go around and, frankly, interview other companies to see if that's the place that they want to work. And then there's people who are you know, desperate, right? They got fired or laid off, which is something that's happening a lot now. And a big issue that's going on right now is also which I don't think it's discriminatory. I, I have an issue with that. But some companies are reluctant to hire people that aren't working. Everybody knows that you know, it's always better to have a job when you're looking for a job. But a lot of people don't have jobs. So if you're someone who doesn't have a job and you're not in a position to say that you're working somewhere, I understand it could be conceived as a strike against you, but you know you need to find companies that are I guess culturally understanding of the situation right now in the in the in the in the economy, and number two, if in fact your issue of being unemployed is one where you were you know legitimately laid off because of lack of work, or whether you got you know fired because of poor performance. Mm-hmm. So you know it, it, this is an issue, right? So if you're coming off of a, of a bad experience where you left the job because you don't like working there anymore, 
I think the key for people is to put themselves in a position where they're cutting from the entire interviewing process from strength. What's the best kind of place for you? What's the kind of job that you need? What would be the best fit for you? It's very, very easy for people looking for a job to be tempted to simply want to find a job that pays them a certain amount of money because they need mm-hmm. to, you know, get they need to get their income back. And 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 I'm not I'm not pooing that. I mean, that's a clearly critically important thing that people need to do, and they need to look for a job for that. And that's going to be a major major driver. But the unfortunate catch twenty two at that is, you know, like I said before. But the employee or the employer that's looking for somebody out of desperation doesn't make mm-hmm. the best decisions. The same thing goes with someone who's looking for a job. You know, so if you're desperate for a job, you're not going to evaluate the job opportunity the best way. And you may end up choosing a job that you don't want or that isn't a fit for you. And it's very, very difficult to make that discern, especially when you're, you know, you've got bills to pay. You just want to get the next job. Um, it may even be the case that somebody takes the job that they're not crazy about simply to be able to have a job so they can use that job as a means to go find the one they really like, which, you know, is not ethical, but look, it happens, right? Sure. So the, the, I guess the key is if you're not in a position of strength, you got to fake it, and you got to act like you're coming from a position of strength because it's always better to make the best decision for the place you're going to work than the desperate decision for the place you're going to work. So that's a, a key dynamic I think I'm looking for when I meet people is like someone who I know is discerning and asks me good questions, mm-hmm. you know, really understands what they're looking for, seems to be, you know, shopping smartly for the kind of job that's going to be a fit for them. Someone who's very discerning about the job they're going to take is likely going to be a better employee because they're clear about what they want. So right. if they choose me, they're likely going to be happy there, right? Somebody who seems desperate to take the job and says, yes, I'll do that. No problem. I can do that. Oh, I'm great at that. You know, it could be an indication that someone's looking just to get bland someplace. You know, there's a bill being bandied about in New York right now uh, that would uh, make it uh, illegal for a company to not hire somebody because they've been looking for a job for too long. Yeah, but I saw that. So it's an interesting thing, right? I mean, first, first comes the issue as to whether or not, in fact, there is truly discrimination going on. And I don't know if it's the case. It's hard to prove. Yeah, I don't know why. What's that? I, I don't know either. I just, yeah, it's hard to prove, right? I mean, it's difficult to know if I wasn't hired because I'm not working or because of whatever. I mean, you never know why people – it's very hard to know ever why someone doesn't hire you. I mean, because they could just very easily just say, you know, your skills weren't a fit or something. I mean, it's very, very hard to prove. Mm-hmm. But I think that what's going on now is that there are so many people in the marketplace who aren't working that they feel like they get continually turned down for jobs. And so the perception is – you know, I'm a loser, and they're discriminating against me because I don't have a job, so they're not going to hire me. So, you know, as per what's going on right now in the you know New York state government, especially in the New York City government, you know, there's a lot of laws being passed to kind of you know, to protect people against these things. But how are you going to enforce it? I mean, how do you know, right? I mean, I guess now if it's illegal, all it does is it gives a potential employee recourse to be able to sue a company to say mm-hmm. that they did, right? But then the burden of proof is on determining if that was in fact the case. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little bit against these kind of things. I think that it's an unfortunate reality and that these things do happen, but you can't be suing companies for making decisions about who they want to hire. I think that everyone you know, has the right to be able to hire people they think are appropriate for their company and be the best fit. Well, could a, could a bill like this? Somebody posted about this. This is about why I'm bringing it up. Somebody posted about this who who uh, owns a company, who hire, does a lot of hiring, and suggested that that type of bill might, if anything, cause some sort of a chilling effect 
on companies being, a, uh, you know, fearful of, of who they're even speaking to, uh, so that because they don't want to get into litigation. Exactly. I mean, I, I, I think that's a great point, and I think a lot of these laws do just exactly that. I mean, we can branch off into another whole topic here, but you know, the same thing happens with, for example, like to look at the, the medical community, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, doctors don't want to take on certain patients because they don't want to get malpractice suits. So they, right. they look at certain patients, they think, you know, I don't want to take this patient. There's too much exposure here for me, given today's laws. So you're right. So, you know, these laws are designed to, a lot of times, maybe enhance um, a politician's career to make them look like they're caring, and, they, and right. But the ramifications aren't good on the industry. I mean, you can't stop companies from being able to. Um, uh, implement their own, you know, uh, standards and practices when they're looking at people. So I don't know if it's a good thing. I don't know. I heard about it. And it just didn't didn't strike me as being a very, how do you say, a prudent thing to do. I, I don't know if it's really going to protect anybody, and I think it's just going to make people a little bit more reluctant to even look at people who are not mm-hmm. working. You know, I got a I got a comment from somebody on Facebook uh, listening to the show. He said, "Would you tell this guy to shut up?" <laughs> uh, no. Okay. Got um, it. Uh, 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 who, who? This is somebody from the from the employee side, okay. who is uh, basically saying, "I ran away from Russia to get saved from nepotism." And she that she she heard in, in what you were saying before nepotism, uh, but here it is: America actually promotes it. So, what's an immigrant with with no network to do? I hope that not all people think that because I'm looking for a job right now, and this pretty much decreases my chances. I hope this is not the case. That's that's what she's hearing. Um, from what we were talking about, you know, looking for people you know to hire, or people who people who know hire to hire. Okay, I'm, I'm trying to understand the statement. So what you're saying is that uh, what this woman is saying is that she's from another country, and um, well, what she's really saying is she has no, she doesn't really have the network uh, at this point, so that maybe the people who would know how great she is. Don't know her. Oh, I see. It was because someone who came here from somewhere else doesn't have the network. That's a good point. Well, you know, I, you know, the only way I can I can respond to that is you know build the network. You know, it it takes time. I mean, I don't know how long this person has been in the country, but if someone just got here, then yeah, yeah, I agree. It is tough, and maybe some of the social media type of things we mentioned before may not be as effective for them. Mm-hmm. But then what that person needs to do is really brush up on their um, skill sets and uh, have some proven track record in order. To be able to find work. It's that's a tough one. I mean, I, I really feel for people. I, there's actually someone here in the office I work with who came here from Australia. She had no references, no one, you know. But she she interviewed well. Uh, she had you know aptitude in certain areas, and she was able to you know land a job. But that was just through her own you know interviewing skills, uh, her knowledge of the job, mm-hmm. uh, the way you know even little things like even just the way in which someone follows up on the interviewing process. Uh, you know, it's amazing. I find people who have all the network connections they want and all the relationships and everything, but they don't even know how to provide a decent follow-up letter or an intelligent response. And those things make a big difference. So, yes, it's a great question. Someone who comes here from somewhere else that doesn't have the network or the uh, or the, the kind of connections and comes here new, uh, you know, that's someone who's probably going to have to work a little bit harder and, quite frankly, maybe even, you know, be a little bit smarter than the competition and beat them out simply on, on skill sets alone. Um, uh, and, you know, look, another opportunity here for people is, look, if, you, if, you, if you're really ambitious and you come from somewhere else, you know, you take the first job that's offered to you because, you know, maybe there aren't other opportunities, and frankly what you do is you just kick ass in it, you know, and you really just really just be a superstar. 
and you start building up your reputation that way. Um, there's nothing that'll ever beat being really good at what you do, because that type of thing spreads like wildfire, you know. Mm. And it's pretty quick to be able to get people to say, "Hey, you know, uh, this woman worked for me. She was incredibly smart. She came here and took over and really turned things around. And here are the results that she produced. And I'd like to recommend her. You know, I mean, within one job, if you really do well." You could be surprised how quickly you can build up a reputation for yourself that you can leverage. Awesome. So, <clears throat> tell me some of the the uh, mistakes that people make, you know, specific mistakes that you've seen people uh, mis- uh, make in hiring that you've been able to work to uh, to alleviate. Uh, you mean some mistakes that I've noticed that I was able to support? Is that what you're yeah. asking? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, one thing I noticed definitely was in hiring salespeople. <clears throat> which was an area that I focused on a lot. You know, hiring salespeople is a really uniquely challenging thing because salespeople, first of all, are a unique breed of individual to begin with, right? Everybody knows, you know, it's always the sales guy at the company that's always a little strange, you know? And the question is always, you know, is someone born a salesperson or does someone learn to become one, right? This is another big kind of, controversy or it's more of a debate is a better word that goes on with this one. I, I tend to believe, quite frankly, that salespeople are born. Mm-hmm. Okay. The innate skills that require somebody to be able to sell are a talent like, you know, being able to draw or, you know, mathematical skill. But they, like any of those skills, they need to be nurtured and they need to be developed. So even though someone might come out of the box with the potential to sell really well, maybe more than other other people do, mm-hmm. they still need to build those and develop them and hone them. So that's the first thing. And I say that because when you are hiring salespeople, let's face it, Andrew, the first thing that the hiring manager is asking is, is this guy going to sell, right? I mean, I'm bringing in somebody here and their primary function is to drive revenue for me. Is that person going to do it or not? How do I know? So look, it's a couple of things you can do. And a couple of things that I saw that companies weren't doing, right? Um, it's very easy for salespeople, particularly good ones, to uh, make their uh, sales track record and their career track record sound better than it really is. And it's very difficult to rely on references. Because let's face it, I mean, I wouldn't give anybody a reference that wasn't going to give me a good reference, right? Right, sure. So, you know, it's, it's very hard to find someone that's going to say something negative about you. I'd almost say, like, you know, let's find the people that he doesn't want me to talk to. <laughs> Those are the people I want to speak to, right? So, you know, if the guy points back to the four jobs that he just had and says, here, call these two people, it's the other two people I want to talk to. Um, so that's one thing. So I think it's really make sure that you have a very good, keen sense of what this person's true sales track record was. Mm-hmm. But more importantly is what's their behaviors like? Do they display sales behavior? And what that means is a good salesperson literally – Sells. I mean, they don't do anything else. They start making phone calls and taking the actions that are designed to make results. They don't pontificate. They don't do any research. They just get on the phone or they get out there and they start talking to people. And you want to look for those behaviors. And there's a lot of really great aptitude tests. I know it sounds kind of hokey, but some of them are really good that identify certain characteristics and traits that indicate whether somebody is the kind of person that's going to go out there and actually sell for you, whether someone's going to sit around and just be a thinker. And we used to implement these things. We actually found this one company that uh, developed this great tool 
that uh, was like a test that you gave uh, a salesperson. Mm-hmm. And they were able to determine with a very high level of accuracy whether the person would, in fact, be somebody that would sell for you or not. Right. Um, now, I didn't think that, and I don't purport to think, that that tool alone is enough. There are mm-hmm. other things, right? So so I, my point is that what I was able to do was implement some more systematic method, methodologies, I hate to use these big words, mm-hmm. into the hiring process of salespeople to determine if, in fact, these people were going to sell. And then the second part of it, too, was also to provide salespeople, particularly salespeople, with the right type of incentive in order for them to be successful. And it doesn't necessarily just mean, you know, going after money, because the irony is that, you know, different things motivate different people. Right. Different ways. So some people are really hungry for money, you know, and they say right off the bat, this is, by the way, this is the kind of guy you hire. I'll tell you the guy you hire. The guy that goes, oh, no, no, I want to hire a commission and a lower salary. Mm. If the guy says that to you, you know, you hire him because that means that, you know, he's smart enough to know that he would be more in control of his destiny if he can control his income than being relying on a salary. Um, when somebody asks for a much larger salary and a smaller commission, that's a that's a red flag, Right. Um, what you want to try to find is that balance, right? Because the truth is that a salesperson should really be making just about the amount of money that they need to live on every month, a little left over. You don't want them to be too uncomfortable. You want them to be just uncomfortable enough that they're incentivized to make more money. Right. So that was another thing, too, that I helped this one company with was uh, putting together compensation packages that were designed for success. You know, you can't be too cheap and you can't be too generous. You've got to find that sweet spot. Um, and also it depends upon the person. I mean, there's some people that respond really well to desperation. You, know, you just give them a little bit of money, and if they know they can make more, they'll get out there and they'll kick ass to make more. Some people are more stressed out, you know, and, and they're and they're they're preoccupied when they're not making enough money. Mm-hmm. So as a result, that person is not going to respond to the same um, incentive package that the other person is. Which is why I believe in in flexible incentive packages because you got to find the right ones to meet different people. You know, some might say, well, it has to be fair. Every salesperson's got to get the same thing. We can't seem like we're favoring people. I disagree, you know. I mean, you can't raise all your kids the same way. I mean, you put them in the same house, but, you know, one kid's more attentive and hyper and needs to be calmed down more. The other one doesn't come out of their shell. So, yeah, you have to do different things with them. And I think it's really important that employees understand that the complexities of these things. It's not just you can plug them in and play. Everybody needs a certain different way of being incentivized. And the interview process is the way in which you determine how this person is going to fit within your culture. Hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Now, I, I want to uh, just also med- mention again that uh, we do have a, a, a calls available. If anybody would like to call in, uh, there is one person on the line who did not raise his hand to, to, raise, to ask a question. I recognize the caller. I know it's a man. Uh, if you want to call in, 646-929-2893 if you have a question for Warren Zena. And if you call in, if you press the number one on your phone, that means you have a question. We also have a chat room uh, where you can ask questions there. Okay. We're back live with Warren Zena. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. So uh, what other questions you have for me? Well, let's see. Um uh, you had before we spoke before the show. You had mentioned to me that there are no standards or best practices anymore, and I wanted to find out a little bit more about what you meant by that. Well, 
Oh, yeah, yeah, it used to be, let's face it, right? Like, you can imagine these days of, like, the old school uh, uh, hiring manager who sat in the, he's the HR guy, and he had his, you know, team of people, and they had all this forecasting, and they can, you know, had a resume mill, and they brought people in, and they interviewed them, and, you know, it's become a much more fragmented world and a much more competitive world, particularly not only with the digital tools that we have right now and the social media tools, but also because, like I mentioned before, you know, the job market's more fragmented. You know, people come out of the college and come out of the, into the workforce with different notions about how they want to work. Mm-hmm. I mean, they see guys like Mark Zuckerberg and all these other guys making millions of dollars working in startups and building games and doing cool stuff. And so people are looking for different kinds of jobs. And the mentality is different, too. I mean, I'm noticing this. I mean, we're seeing, like, people that are coming into jobs and they don't have the work ethic that we're used to. And I feel like an old, you know, an old codger in my, you know, world right now. I'm 48 mm-hmm. years old and I'm seeing like these young, you know, uh, mid 20 year old kids coming in and they're, they don't want to do certain things. They just don't want to do it. You know, their, their, their expectations of what it is they want to do and how they want to perform in the workplace is much different. So, you know, the important thing is, you know, you want that youth you want that enthusiasm. You want to bring in young minds that are innovative and are inquisitive and bring that energy to the table, which I think is important, you know, to nurture people and bring them up. But you also need to bring in people who come to, with a good work ethic. So, so what about think, the, uh, the, the, the older and the experienced people who still have the fire? Those are great. I mean, here's the issue with those people, though, as you know, right? There's other challenges. You know, it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks, right? Mm-hmm. So if I'm bringing an older person into an organization, you really have to ask yourself, is this person, as they are right now, a fit for my organization? Mm Because they're probably not going to change that much. They'll make a couple of adaptive little, you know, changes to fit into the culture, but for the most part, you know, this person is, you know, probably old enough that they've already formulated the way they work, mm-hmm. and I need to really make sure that it's a fit because there's not a lot of room for me to, you know, mold the clay. Whereas a younger person, you can do that with, and I see that a lot in the company I work for now. There's a lot of young people here, and we can really catch them at a time where they're still, you know, bendable, you know, and make them, you know, learn new tricks, so to speak. Um, so it's a tough one. You know, there's that there's that mix between do we need somebody in here who's going to be really stuck in their ways? Or do I need somebody in this job that's someone who's flexible that I can teach? Right. That's a very important distinction to make because if you don't know the answer to that, you can end up disappointed when all of a sudden you want them to do something and they're not going to do it. Got it. Okay. So uh, I went basically on a more personal level. So first, who who is looking for you, and how do they find you? I mean, me personally? You, Warren Zena, the services that you offer. Oh, I see. Okay, I got it. So, good question. So, you know, I tend to work with uh, executive management. Mm-hmm. I like to work with people whom I would consider to be successful, people who don't think of themselves as unsuccessful. I'm not looking for people who, you know, aren't successful and want to become successful. I'm looking for people that are successful, but they also have an ability to know that they still need to develop and grow and, you know, do things better. And the reason I like working with those kind of people primarily is because it's just more interesting to work with people who are really exciting and you know, already doing good things and are in that mode um, because those tend, tend to be the people that 
usually by getting there, they've been people who are already you know, self-learning and self-discovering, and they're up to bigger things, and they're up to bigger challenges and more complex challenges. Mm. I like to work with people who are managing other people, who are managing departments. In many cases, I love working with owners of companies who already have businesses. They have partners. They have to manage the communications and the agreements with those partners. They're dealing with issues of hiring people. They're dealing with issues of trying to build a company culture. They're dealing with issues of trying to be productive. They're dealing with probably some maybe personality issues of people that they have to manage. Mm -hmm. They're trying to get the best out of their people. They don't know how. Uh, Maybe they have disagreements with their partners about the direction of the organization. They need a refresher on that. Uh, They have communication issues, or they're seeing people in their organization that have communication issues. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those are important, you know, really, I guess, exciting types of clients for me. And then another type of one, too, is also people that need to train people how to publicly, you know, present themselves. I'm very helpful in uh, getting executives to do public speaking and presentations and speak in front of large crowds, uh, better communicate their ideas and their messages effectively, uh, make greater impact on the audience that they're talking to, formulate their ideas clearly, you know, make a better communication, make a better statement, package themselves well. It's another thing that I know a lot of executives are looking for is, is right. that kind of ability to, to, to do that better. Great. And how do they find you? Uh, WarrenZena.com or at WarrenZena on Twitter or WarrenZena at Gmail. It's pretty simple. There's only one WarrenZena in the world. Is that really true? Yes, it is. Wow. That's yeah. that's very unique. Yes. There's one God, other a lot of people are saying right now, you know. So, um, but, uh, okay. Anyway, yeah, so let's uh, they can get a hold of me. There's there's one other, Andrew Porras is a team a teen second cousin I've never met, but we know each other on Facebook. I think you're related. We're, we're related, and but he's, as far as I know, the only other Andrew Porras, and it's, I love wishing myself a happy birthday to myself as a teenager. Okay. Once a year. <laughs> it's very, very exciting for me. So um, that we're going to wrap it up. I really want to thank you, Warren, for coming on my show tonight. Thank you. And uh, it's been uh, great having you. So, uh Again, everyone, if you want to find the one and only Warren Zena, you can find him at warrenzena.com. And the links for him are on my show page. And we will be back here next week. So thanks for listening, and have a great night. Thank you so much, Andrew. This was great. My pleasure. Good night. Good night.